Hello, and welcome to this audio edition of Philip Pusher's program notes for upcoming concerts by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. I'm Rich Caparella, and concerts by the CSO on Thursday, March 17th, and Saturday the 19th feature guest conductor Dame Jane Glover. The two soloists featured will be principal oboe of the orchestra since 2018, William Welter, and organist Paul Jacobs. The program includes Haydn's Symphony No. 71, Mozart's Oboe Concerto with William Welter, Handel's Organ Concerto Opus 4 No. 4 with Paul Jacobs, and Mozart's Symphony No. 29. Here are Philip Pusher's program notes on the Mozart Oboe Concerto in C Major, the performance time around 20 minutes. Giuseppe Ferlandis, the most celebrated member of a large Italian family filled with musicians, most of them oboists, joined the Archbishop's Orchestra in Salzburg in April 1777. At the time, local composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, 21 years old, had just started writing the first of the many concertos for both himself and his friends that would count among his greatest achievements. Only weeks after Fellandis moved into town, Mozart began to compose an oboe concerto for him. It isn't clear how good a player Fellandis actually was. Mozart's father, Leopold, called him a favorite in the orchestra, which might have referred more to his personality than his musicianship. But Haydn, who heard him perform in London in 1795, said he was quite mediocre. In any event, Ferlandis inspired Mozart to write the only oboe concerto of his career. In September 1777, the month he finished the concerto, Mozart quit his job as concertmaster to the Archbishop of Salzburg and set out to see more of the world with his mother in tow and to make some serious money. In Mannheim that winter, he gave the score of the new oboe concerto to Friedrich Rahm, the oboist of the Mannheim Orchestra, who seemed quite crazy with delight. By February, Rahm had already performed it five times, and Mozart reported that it was making a great sensation there. It is now Rahm's cheval de bataille, a war horse, he wrote home. But after Mozart returned to Salzburg in January 1779, alone, his mother had died in Paris, and unemployed, John Prospects in Munich, Mannheim, Paris, and Versailles fizzled, we hear about the oboe concerto just one more time. In 1783, Anton Meyer, an oboist with the Esterhazy Orchestra, offered Mozart three ducats for the piece, and a new set of parts were sent to him. And then the concerto vanished. Eventually, musicians reluctantly began to include it in the list of major pieces by Mozart that were lost. In 1920, Mozart scholar and conductor Bernhard Palmgartner, who was director of the Salzburg Mozarteum archives, discovered a package of old orchestral parts. The bass part was marked Concerto in C, Oboe Principale, followed by Mozart's name. When Palmgartner recognized the music, however, as the familiar flute concerto in D major, the one flutists had long counted as the second of Mozart's two concertos, a 137-year-old mystery began to unravel. Apparently, sometime during the winter of 1777-78, Mozart had made an arrangement of the oboe concerto in order to make fast work of a commission for the amateur flutist Ferdinand de Jean, probably passing the recycled work off as brand new. By exposing Mozart's fraud, Palmgartner's find simultaneously cut Mozart's flute concerto output in two and handed oboists a concerto they had never expected to play. 
As an oboe concerto, this music is not only expressive and melodious, but also perfectly idiomatic. Flutists had long wondered why, for example, Mozart gave them so few high notes. There are three movements in the traditional arrangement, fast, slow, fast, each distinguished not so much by design as by the kind of gift for natural, memorable melody that few composers ever possessed. The first movement is headed Allegro Aperto, open Allegro, an unconventional marking that Mozart favored at the time. He used it to open the Turkish concerto, written in 1775, that seems to connote big-boned, generously-paced, fast music. The slow movement, like many of Mozart's finest, suggests an expansive, eloquent opera aria. The orchestral accompaniment, discreet throughout the concerto, is particularly restrained here. The spotlight never strays from the oboe soloist at center stage. The finale is actually a preview of an opera still five years in the future, the abduction from the seraglio. There, in her Act II aria, Welche Wonne, Welche Lust, Blonde sings of bliss and delight. Here, the oboe is less explicit, but its message is clearly one of unbounded joy. A footnote on musical camaraderie, at these performances, William Welter plays cadenzas composed by his colleague in the viola section, Max Ramey. Program notes by Philip Huscher on Mozart's oboe concerto. And now, on to the Handel organ concerto in F major, the Opus 4, number 4, a work lasting about 16 minutes. Handel often was called the greatest organist of his time, no small accomplishment in the age of Johann Sebastian Bach, his celebrated contemporary and a man he never met. Handel had an uncommon brilliancy and command of finger, wrote John Mainwaring in his Memoirs of the Life of the Late G. F. Handel, published the year after Handel died. But what distinguished him from all other players who possessed these same qualities was that amazing fullness force, and energy, which he joined with them. Handel began to play the organ as a young boy. After the Duke of Saxe-Wessenfels heard the nine-year-old organist, he persuaded Handel's father to begin the boy's musical education at once with the local Halle organist Friedrich Zachau. At the age of 12, he became Zachau's assistant organist at the church there. Even though Handel's success as a composer, first in opera, later in oratorio, eventually overshadowed his performing career, he continued to play the organ in public, and his skill at improvisation was legendary. His contemporary, the musical historian John Hawkins, wrote of his amazing command of the instrument, the fullness of his harmony, the grandeur and dignity of his style, the copiousness of his imagination, and the fertility of his invention. In 1709, Handel and Domenico Scarlatti engaged in a now-celebrated contest on organ and harpsichord at the Roman home of Cardinal Ottoboni, the employer of the composer Arcangelo Corelli. After hours of improvisation by these two great keyboard players, Scarlatti emerged as the king of the harpsichord, Handel of the organ. At the very end of Handel's life, when blindness forced an end to his composing days, early in 1751 he made a note in his score of his new oratorio Jephtha that he was beginning to have difficulty seeing, he was still able to perform his organ concertos in public, improvising the solo passages. Handel eventually had surgery on his eyes, performed by the famous English oculist Sir John Taylor, a cataract specialist who, by coincidence, had operated on Bach 
when he was lecturing in Leipzig in 1750, the last year of Bach's life. For an organist of such skill and fame, it's surprising that Handel wrote so little music for organ until relatively late in his life, and that he left no works in the traditional solo forms, such as the Preludes and Fugues by Bach, for example. What we do have, however, are a handful of organ concertos, the earliest ones by any composer that have come down to us. Handel composed his first organ concertos in the mid-1730s to be inserted into performances of his oratorios. The concerto for organ and small orchestra was essentially Handel's own invention, and his were written to be played by Handel himself, a way of demonstrating his virtuosity as a composer and as a performer at the same time. Apparently, some of the solo sections were improvised and therefore never written down, not even when John Walsh published the first book of six concertos in 1738, the Opus 4 set from which the concerto performed this week is drawn. The F major concerto was designed to be performed as an interlude in Atalia in April 1735. It combines brilliant, fast, and florid music with an adagio movement that is essentially an organ solo, the rare moment that allowed Handel to take the spotlight and remind his audiences that he was not only a popular composer and celebrated performer, but also a peerless improviser. Program notes by Philip Pusher on the Handel Organ Concerto Opus 4, Number 4. I'm Rich Caparella. Thanks for listening.